Hey guys, what's up? We're here today in the Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast with our episode on Matthew 22. Matthew 22 reads, And again Jesus spoke to them in a parable, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true, and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why do you put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. The same day the Sadducees came to him, who say there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up his offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died, and having no offspring left his wife to his brother. So to the second and third down to the seventh. After them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. But Jesus answered them, You are wrong, because you know neither the scripture nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked them a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Who is he? They said to him, The son of David. And he said to them, How is it then that David in the Spirit calls him the Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him many more questions. So for today's nugget, there's lots of different stories that we could focus into here on the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, who are all testing Jesus in this chapter. I really want to focus in on verses 34 through 40 as it really simplifies the heart of what our response to God is supposed to be. But before we jump right into that, I really want to set this up with a vivid memory I have from my childhood. And so as a kid, I used to shoot off model flying rockets with my brothers. And so these were things that you built and you had this launch pad 
uh, and they had a little charge inside of them that you would have to hook up a, an actual like receiver to that would allow you to uh, ignite that and shoot the rocket way up into the air and it had different mechanisms for coming down. Sometimes it was a parachute, sometimes there were propellers, sometimes it was a combination of the both of them. But they were really fun to do. We designed many different ones and we were always launching these off with my brothers and my dad and friends and other people around us. And we would time them to see how long they could stay in the air or we would see which one looked like it went the farthest or which one landed the furthest away from where we launched. And we would keep track of these things uh, because we were super competitive. And uh, one of the days that we did this, I remember one of my rockets went way up into the sky. We're watching it. You chase it down. You're trying to cover the ground to get to where it's landing. And uh, we did this in this really open field, but around the edge of the field, there was a perimeter of trees. And so this rocket got stuck way up high in this tree. And we're talking probably, I don't know, 50, 60 feet way up in this tree. And as I looked out at the trees, I realized, hey, you can't probably climb this tree to get all the way to the top, but there's several trees next to it that you could climb and you could go from that tree across and do all these different things. And so I told my dad, I was like, well, see, yeah, we can definitely get the rocket down. What you have to do is you climb this tree and then move from this tree to that tree and this tree to that tree and simply stated what had to be done for us to get the rocket back. But the problem was, it wasn't as easy as what I was describing it as. And uh, my dad responded with something to the extent of, hey, I'm not a squirrel, I can't do that. Uh, but basically showing me, yeah, it's easy to say this is what has to be done to make this task accomplished, but it's much harder to do that. And I wanna file this passage away into that type of a thought. Very easy to say, much harder to do because we're summing up all that God is asking us to do in response for him. And what he has done in our lives is summed up in these two thoughts, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself. These are the two thoughts that sum up everything that we're supposed to do in our life. And it seems like, hey, if I only have to do two things, I should be able to do this. When we look into these two thoughts greater, what we see is they're actually a simplification of the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament. The first four of those focusing on how we respond to God, the last six, how we respond to others. But it's important for us to remember that that teaching was tied to the relationship that God had established with those people in the wilderness generation. And so as he brought them out of the country, he said, I am the Lord, the God, who brought you out of the land of the Egyptians. So you will do this to be my people. So it sets us up for if we desire to have a relationship to God who has done so much for us, we will live in a certain way and according to what he has established. And as we think about this, it's very easily summed up in these two thoughts. You're going to love God more than everything else with all of your being, everything you have, and then you're going to love other people the same way that you want to be loved. And it's very easy to say, but very difficult to actually do. Do. Because when we think about it, we show that we love other things more than God almost every day. How are we spending our time? How are we spending our money? What are we focusing on? What do our thoughts go to? All of these things show us what we truly love or truly value. How are we loving other people like ourselves? Well, if we're honest, we're probably loving ourselves like we want to be loved, but we're not necessarily loving others in that way. It's very difficult for us to step out and to be inconvenienced even by other people around us to do things. And so in order for us to understand what he's really talking about, we have to first understand how unattainable these things are in and of ourselves. 
It's not natural for us to love God more than everything else. It's not natural for us to love our neighbors as ourselves. But imagine how great the world would be if truly everyone operated under these principles, that they put God first, that they loved him with everything that they had, so much so that it was seen in every relationship that they had, that there was no wrong done to others around them because of the sin that's in their life. And that's really what it focuses back into is the fact that sin is the problem in our life that keeps us from loving God and loving others, whether it's the sin of selfishness, whether it's the sin of pride, of self-sufficiency, the sin of arrogance, the sin of presumption, all these different sins come into our lives and they break down these relationships that we have with the people around us and with God. When that takes place, we're no longer living the way in which God desires us to live as a response to what he's done for us. And so it's really easy to say, hey, just do two things. Just love God and love the people around you. But I know how hard it is for me to do that. I'm a selfish person. As I think through my days, I come home from work, uh, get home somewhere a little bit after five or whatever time it is, whenever I'm done with my last meeting. Uh, It's almost dinner time by that point. I come home. I want to spend time with my kids, but I also would love to have a little bit of me time. And so sometimes I make a poor choice and I don't prioritize my family. I don't prioritize my kids, my girls, and the different things that I need to be doing there because I'm like, hey, I've worked hard. I deserve this time for me to just be able to do whatever I want to do. And so I've elevated myself. I've elevated that above what God has asked me to do because I'm not loving my girls. I'm not loving my family the way I should be when I do that for myself. But the world tells me, hey, I deserve that. I've spent time at work. Now it's my time to do whatever I want to do. But it's not. I have responsibilities as a husband, responsibilities as a father that I have to take place and do those things. And it's not just then. Think about then when I get time off or when I get money. How am I going to spend those things? Am I going to spend it on myself or am I going to spend it on what my family needs or what God's kingdom needs? Am I going to focus on those things or am I going to focus on what it is my heart or my desires or the world is trying to tell me that I should be doing? So it's very easy to say, yeah, just do these two things, but very difficult for me and probably for you, if you're honest as well, to actually live the way that God is calling us to live in this passage. And so hopefully as you dwell on that, that brings to light your need for for God in your life, for him redeeming you, for him helping you to put off sinful attitudes and put on uh, godly and Christ-like attitudes as you seek to live according to the relationship that he wants and desires to have for every person. As we think through the rest of this passage, there are many questions that could arise as we study this interaction or the extended interactions between these people who are questioning Jesus, but not for proper motives. And so one of them that I know uh, is kind of strange, and it's in the parable that we have at the beginning of this chapter is, hey, what's going on with the fact that this person invites all of these people into this wedding feast, but then throws this person out who he literally just picked up off the streets. Uh, And so it's kind of one of those things that, hey, we have to look into and understand a little bit more what's happening here. And as we examine that, all of the people would be in the same situation picked up off the streets. They would not have had the ability to be 
properly dressed in the wedding attire unless it had been given to them by the person who was calling or extending the banquet. And so this person who is not properly dressed has decided to reject what had been offered to him that was given to the other people around them. And so there's a real big significance there in terms of what's happening. And that's something that can be easily missed if you're not really looking into uh, the traditions and what happens with these wedding feasts and the different things that would have taken place. So that's something even for me as I was reading through this, had to look in for a greater understanding of what's taking place, to understand the significance of the wedding garments and the different things that would have been passed out to these people to ensure that they were all prepared for that instance and that celebration. And then that individual's rejection, symbolic of the rejection of those who seemingly have a profession but are choosing not to truly live according to and follow and live in obedience to what God has revealed to them. And so you certainly might have a different question than that. You might have something else that comes to your mind. Hopefully, as you're studying God's Word, you're starting to ask these questions, seeking to understand in a greater way, seeking greater learning. As you have those questions, look for those answers, either through the people around you, different resources, asking people who are following along in the podcast, or even people who are outside of that, to be uh, there to spur you on in your study of God's Word. And so know today, as you go, you are loved. You're